My name is Caleb Gabrilli, and uh, I'm the missions pastor here. This morning, our lead pastor, Mike McDaniel, um, can anyone guess where he is? Maybe someone saw him. Anybody? Raise a hand if you're like, I know where he is. Jacob, you saw him, you saw him. Pastor Mike, he is, uh, he's serving this morning in our children's ministries. So he's going to do a rotation. I hear some laughter. That's what Lori's laughing. His wife is laughing at him. Uh, Pastor Mike, he's going to rotate through and, uh, he just wants to serve and he's going to serve in, um, everywhere. I think from birth all the way to our sixth grade ministry and probably check out accessibility. So when you pick up your kiddos, uh, harass them a little bit, ask them how it went, uh, say, Hey, am I going to see you here again next week? Uh, no, you won't. Uh, he'll be, he'll be right here. But, um, he asked me if I would speak today. So we're going to take a little break from Genesis where we have been as a church and we are going to go a little bit of a different direction, but I'm going to freak a bunch of you out right now. And I'm going to take off these chacos because they're, they're just uncomfortable this morning. And some of you, I've lost you. You're like, he just, he's preaching barefooted in church. So my apologies, but I love my Chacos. I do. How many, how many of you wear Chacos? Raise your hand if you're a Chaco wearer. Yeah, Chrissy, your hand's like, yeah, I love my Chacos. Uh, raise your hand if you just love sandals. Are you a sandal wearing type of person? Okay, quite a few of you. Uh, raise your hand if you're wearing Chacos this morning. Okay, three or four, maybe five of you are like, where is he going with this? Let me tell you something about Chacos. You're going to hear this talked about maybe a little bit, but most people that wear Chacos, they're not going to talk about it. Chacos make your feet stink. I'm I'm serious, like they're they're stinky. And some of you are like, no, they don't. You just don't know what you're talking about. No, the human foot has more than 250,000 sweat glands in it. And so our feet sweat. And for some reason, when you mix foot sweat with the Chaco brand sandal, it just makes your feet ripe. And now those of you that raise your hand are super self-conscious. Like, oh my gosh. Can people around me smell my feet? I apologize. What a weird way to start out this morning. Um, for those of you who just love wearing sandals of any kind, I bet you that your sandals have been to more places than you would ever stop to imagine. So I started thinking about my Chacos, and these are the only Chacos that I own. These are the only Chacos that I have ever owned. And I started thinking, man, these have been to a lot of different places. Just last week, I was fishing with the boys up at Little Sugar for Smallies. And when you're wearing Chacos as a fisherman, you just plunge right into the creek and you drive home in them and you let them dry out. And that's probably why they stink. Uh, when you go canoeing in the Elk River, in the Illinois River, the Kings River, you go whitewater rafting, your Chacos go with you. These things have been in the Gulf of Mexico. So sandy ocean stuff, sandy beaches. They've traveled to multiple continents, which means they've been in airports, which means they've been through airport bathrooms. And... um They've been to church camps, which means like food fights and paint wars and more bathrooms. And just, they're just like feet are gross. And now they're sitting right here before you. And you're like, I cannot believe that those are sitting on the stage of our church. But I I have scrubbed these things with dish detergent. I've let them bathe out in the sun for like days at a time thinking I'm going to find the magic cure for the stinkiness of Chacos. But it doesn't work. Uh, Amanda Googled years ago, if you put them in the deep freeze, you guys have done that? Anybody? If you put these things in the deep freeze for days at a time, it's supposed to kill all the bacteria. And I thought that's going to do it. But still at the end of the day, if I wear these long enough or I get nervous and my feet sweat more, I've just kind of come to the conclusion that Chacos are going to make my feet stink. Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 13. 
John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Um, if you brought your Bible, awesome. If you got it on your phone, that's great too. We're going to put it up here on the screen because I'm going to start reading in verse 1 of John chapter 13. Verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why I said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes back on and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so let me provide just a bit of context as we're going to unpack this passage this morning. Um, Most would refer to this as the Last Supper. And just that alone should bring to mind what we picture and what we think of in the final hours of the life of Christ. His public ministry is coming to an end. The next event that we know happens is Jesus being crucified on the cross. And while most people are quick to recall the thought of communion and this intimate time that Jesus had with those who follow him in this setting of this place called the upper room, people are not so quick to recall um, this this other thing that Jesus says to his disciples that they, they should do after he is gone. And that fascinates me because the humility that we're going to unpack this morning as I read through this passage, it makes me think, okay, I think we need to kind of pump the brakes right here and set in this passage of scripture in John as a church, as a family. I think that we need to talk about this within our families. I think that we need to talk about it within our small groups. I think we need to teach this to our children and we need to demonstrate this as Christians to the world. So we're going to look at three examples that Jesus demonstrated for us. And I'm just going to jump to the end result of what happens when we follow his example, because we find the answer in John three, verse 17, the very last verse that we read when Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus didn't say, now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed because you know them. No, Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if what? If you do them. 
So with that in mind, let's jump in. Jesus and his disciples, they're meeting in a place where they didn't fully know that they'd be dining and eating. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you look there, we learn that this meal ends up taking place in the upper room of a house where Jesus had given Peter and John instructions to go meet up with a man who would kind of take them to this location. I don't know if it's like kind of a secret location. I don't know if Jesus was doing that so that like Judas's scheming and his betrayal would kind of be put on pause and it wouldn't interrupt what Jesus wanted to happen too soon. But I say all of that because it's important to note that normally to enter a home and prepare for a meal, all of these guys with super nasty, dirty, stinky feet would likely have been met at the door by a house servant or someone who would have washed their feet. In that culture, and still in some cultures today, there is no way that someone is getting to the dining table to recline and eat without washing nasty feet. I think I know what stinky feet are. (laughs) But whenever I think about the disciples, and they didn't have Chaco, so I'm not sure what they wore, but I cannot imagine what their feet smelled like, what condition they were in, what they even looked like. And as a guy who has a really strong sniffer, I would want these men to have their feet washed before I would recline around a table and eat dinner with them. But on this occasion, I don't know if it was kind of because of the hush-hush location that Jesus had planned for this, this moment, this meal to take place in. But for whatever reason, there doesn't appear to be someone there to wash their feet. And we don't see that anyone else is volunteering for what Jesus is getting ready to do. So in verse three, John reminds us, he reminds his readers of the authority of Jesus, his rank or position in the world. When he writes, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And now that is, that is really important as we move through this text, because when we consider the way that our world functions and operates all the way from government to local office to the the common workplace where each of us go from day to day, there's something that Jesus is getting ready to do here that just doesn't make sense. The boss just got up from the meal. The CEO just got up from the meal. Actually, that. Those are, it doesn't even compare. Like I'm not even going to try because there's not really a perfect way to illustrate this. I just want you to hear that, that God in human flesh, he just got up from the meal and he's going to do something that doesn't make sense in the order of rank or position that we typically think of. So why does it matter? Why does it matter that Jesus got up from the meal? Because I think that this is part of the example that we are to follow and ultimately be blessed by Because serving matters. Jesus got up. How many of you can relate to the feeling of sitting down for dinner and someone asks you to get something? Um, So for me, as as a dad of four kiddos, (laughs) in our family, when we're preparing a meal... Actually, let's be honest. When Amanda's preparing the meal, because I do breakfast, that's my thing. When Amanda's preparing the meal, maybe I'm hanging out in the kitchen. Maybe our oldest boys have set the table. Uh, one thing that our family doesn't do well is we don't get drinks for everyone. 
And some of you are like, yeah, but you, when you set the table, you get drinks. But I don't know why. We just, we don't do that. We'll, we'll set the table, get everything ready. But it's kind of to each his own as far as getting a drink. And so all six of us will be seated around the table, which is a feat in and of itself just to get us there. And it never fails. One of our two youngest, Titus or Alyssa, will say, dad or mom, can you give me a drink? And it's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to get up. Like I've... I've had a long day. I'm exhausted. I, I just sat down. Like I'm among good company. I'm relaxed. The food is right here. We're just getting ready to pray. I don't want to get up. And that's my attitude. And I think sometimes it's comparable even in the church because maybe your attitude isn't like mine where honestly, I'm, I was just, I'm just too lazy. I, I'm, I feel entitled. I don't want to get up. Maybe that's not your attitude. Maybe, maybe for some of this room, it's an attitude of that's not my job. Uh, find someone else to do that. Get some, doesn't someone get paid to do this? When you think about serving in certain places in the church, sometimes there's comments of, man, yeah, I think, yep, that requires someone older. We need someone, someone older needs to do that. Or the reverse, you need someone much younger than me. You need someone with way more energy to fulfill that. You need someone creative. I am not smart enough to do that. Blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on. It doesn't matter the attitudes that you and I come up with. The point is that if serving matters, we would be willing to get up. Listen to this. If serving matters... What is God calling you to get up from so that you can serve others? If serving matters, what have you been unwilling to surrender or allow to be interrupted in order to stop what you are doing and follow the example of Jesus by serving? So Jesus gets up from the meal. And then look at the next line in verse 4. Because Jesus takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist. Now don't, don't rush past this. This is pretty amazing. His example here isn't just washing the nasty feet of his disciples. We're not even quite there yet. We've only just seen that Jesus with all authority in heaven and on earth, he gets up from the meal because serving matters. But here's what might be so significant about how he prepares for this disgusting and yet beautiful example of serving. He takes off his outer clothing, his outer garment, his robe, the same clothing that is going to be stripped from him hours later as he is crucified. The one with all authority in heaven and on earth, the one with all things under his power that had come from God and was returning to God, the one with ultimate status. He sets this example and he models his willingness to remove the very physical thing that he wore that likely identified him for who he was. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. Culturally, he would have, what he would have worn during those times, research shows would have likely represented that. In, in Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus who's calling out to Jesus. And in that passage of scripture, I think it's Mark 10, 50, he says that he threw off his cloak. He throws it down and he runs to Jesus. Now that cloak that Bartimaeus is wearing, it likely identified him as someone with a sickness, someone with an infirmity, because in that culture, beggars were often given specific cloaks to wear, which like gave them permission to sit and beg. 
so that as the culture and society is walking around and why is this person begging for money? I'm not going to give you money. Oh, that, oh, he's wearing, oh, he's, he's blind. Oh, that, that he's paralyzed. And so it was justified in their begging. But Bartimaeus, he takes off his cloak. He runs to Jesus so that Jesus could change his identity. Now, we could preach a whole message series around the fact that Jesus wants to change our identity. But it's interesting to put these passages of scripture together and see that maybe Jesus is removing his identifier in order to serve in the way that doesn't make sense to society. And so culturally... When Jesus removes his outer clothing, it would have left him in what's called a tunic. Picture um, a shorter garment, but something like a long undershirt. And then he wraps a towel around his waist. You see, what, what, what Jesus doesn't do is what I have found myself doing and I've seen repeated in my own children. He doesn't, with a pouty attitude, get up from the table because no one else is getting up. The feet have to be washed culturally before they eat. He doesn't, he doesn't start taking off his outer cloak and throw it down with that type of attitude because Jesus is being a living example of the same attitude that we should have as we serve others. Paul says in Philippians chapter two, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so here in the gospel of John, Jesus, the one with significant status, he takes off his identifier because serving matters. If serving matters, are you willing to negate status? Out in our gallery today, we have tables that are representing all of the ministries that happen within church here on a weekly basis. We have everything from GP kids, which is ages ranging from birth to sixth grade. We have our GP students. We have accessibility, which is for children and students who are differently abled. We have our groups representing leaders because God has gifted individuals to lead small groups. We have everything from our first impressions, our worship, everything represented that happens on a weekly basis out in the gallery. And we have said at Grace Point from the time the church began that we believe every member is a minister and every ministry is meaningful. If you are here this morning and you are considering joining this church family, then just know that as we unpack your faith journey and we talk through the fact that God has or is moving you from death to life as you've given or you're giving your life to following Jesus, that we immediately begin talking about what it means to be a servant and to be a contributor and how God calls his people to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people where we live, where we work, where we learn and where we play. And we call that living scent. And those tables are in the gallery this morning because we want you to find a place of ministry within your church family.
a place where God will use your gifts and your talents for Jesus to his glory. And we want to walk alongside you and we want to encourage you and we want to equip you and help you as God reveals the unique ways that he has gifted you to serve in ministry within the church and to serve on mission outside of the church, living sent. If you're nervous and you're like, man, I'm, I need way more details, then great. You're like 90% of everyone else. And here's what we've got planned next week from August 1st to the 8th, Sunday to Sunday. We have several unique options for you to come to a, a ministry specific training, if you will. Don't let that word training intimidate you. It's just the basics, but you're going to hear the vision and the direction of that ministry. You're going to get to meet other people who are serving there or just exploring maybe serving there. And we're going to have a meal together. It's going to be super casual, but we believe that serving matters. And so we are asking every member in this church to consider registering for an area of serving matters. All the details are online. You can go get registered there. It's free. There's childcare options. Talk with someone out in the gallery this morning. Because here in just a few moments, we're going to continue worshiping. But not as the band comes back out to play a song and give some announcements. No, we're going to continue worshiping this morning and we're going to leave time and space to go out into the gallery and explore what God is doing in other ministries and be prayerful about how he was leading us to get involved. And let me just say this. If, if, you're, if you're visiting here this morning and this isn't your home church, then I would say when you get back to your home church, get plugged in. Explore the ministries there that they have to offer. I want to close out this passage in John because we've now seen that Jesus gets up from the meal. He removes his outer clothing, which I believe was his identifier. He wraps the towel around his waist. He pours water into a basin and he does the unthinkable. And he begins to wash stinky, filthy, undeserving feet. And Jesus got messy. I said it a while ago, I'll say it again. I don't think it gets more disgusting and yet beautiful than what Jesus does here. And he demonstrates the mess that he's willing to get into. His example, it shows us that sometimes you just gotta get your hands dirty. And, and don't take this the wrong way or, or maybe do, I don't know. Just, I'm not, don't take this personal. I'm not trying to offend anyone. But there's a lot of people here today that probably view serving in children and student ministries like stinky feet. You don't want to see them. You don't want to smell them. You certainly don't want to touch them. My point is this, Jesus, he got down and he made himself lower and he made himself less than in order to do what others didn't want to do. And he gave us this example and he showed that this is love because serving matters. You know, he, he didn't splash some, some water on his disciples' feet. He didn't put on like these elbow length dishwashing gloves and like get a spray bottle and like keep his distance. He got into the mess and this was personal. And man, was he thorough because you know that towel that he had wrapped around his waist? He took it and he dried those nasty feet. They were now clean, clean enough to eat. And he probably put him back in those sandals, but not wet and damp. He put him back in there dry and ready to go back out into the world with an example of what love and service is. Mark 10, 45 says that even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So you want to be like Jesus? Then get up from what you're doing. Pick up a towel and take on the role of a servant and get messy. Ministry's messy, but that's what makes it impactful. That's what makes it meaningful. You better believe that student ministry is messy, but it's impacting lives and it's shaping young men and women for the future. Children's ministry is impacting lives, but yeah, sometimes it smells just like stinky feet. But there are little children who are being changed for an eternity because of the people that say, I believe serving matters. And I don't know how to do kids ministry, but man, I'm gonna do it prayerfully and I'm gonna see what happens. You wanna be humbled? then go check out our accessibility ministry with Sarah Coffey and her team and grow in your perspective of the bigness of our creator and how awesome he has made unique individuals. I could go on and on and highlight the blessing of every single ministry, but you won't fully understand the blessing until you get into the mess and you come to a personal understanding that serving matters. So if you wanna build relationships, and you wanna build community, if you wanna learn more about yourself and you wanna learn more about Jesus, then follow the examples of Christ in the ways that he served. So what do you need to get up from? And what do you need to remove? And how is God calling you to get messy? Father, we love you. And we thank you for hundreds and hundreds of examples in scripture that we can see how to serve people and how to love people like you. God, we say, I wanna be the hands and the feet of Jesus. God, then allow us the opportunity to follow the example that you give us in your living word and scripture. Father, we thank you for, for doing what men probably wasn't willing to do and didn't even understand until you stepped down into the mess and you broke the rules of society and you, man, you touched some dirty feet. Father, lead us from here. May we get involved not knowing, feeling unequipped, feeling overwhelmed. God, may we get involved. May we just be willing. We love you, Jesus. May we go from this place and may we serve people and love them well and point them to the glory of God. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.